0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Crime Scene Queens. We are the show to listen to if you want to hear from the real experts in the field. You know, the experts that have like this true understanding of confidentiality and respect for the deceased and their families, and we're not going to exploit the victims. Why? Well, because we're not your typical true crime podcast. No,
1: we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that today. Because that's how you get yourself in trouble. Just like all of those people involved in the Dahmer show. Everybody's pissed off about Uh. them. All those victims are mad. True story. Poor Evan Peters. I like him. That's
0: because we're respectful.
1: Today, Shelly, we're talking about some of our craziest evidence collection stories. And a way I thought that we could kind of get the ball rolling is I did pose to our social media community. Hey, guys, what is your craziest collection story? Several of them involved animals. Do you want to hear some? And actually, yeah. I posed this to all listeners in case they're involved in anything. I said, what's the craziest piece of evidence that you've collected? And a lot of them were animals. In fact, this one person said that the craziest piece of evidence they had collected was a live raccoon in a motel room that was next to a dead body. And they said that the little footprints from the raccoon were in the decomp fluid.
0: Wow. I know. But wait a second. How is that evidence?
1: I guess they collected the animal. I don't know. Listen, I did not have the opportunity to do further questioning. This was literally like an Instagram story that I popped up as a question box and people filled it out. Damn.
0: But we're good in this field. So I just kind of want to problem solve and like troubleshooting this. I'm totally derailing us and I sincerely apologize. But there's a dead body. They already know who the body is. But Mm -hmm. maybe they collected that you said it was a squirrel or raccoon.
1: A raccoon, but they didn't say a they raccoon. know who the body was. Like maybe because it was a decomp, it was still a case for ID. Who knows? Well, also, why the did raccoon? this person have a raccoon in the hotel room with them?
0: Well, and how come there's no one going in there to like clean the hotel room? They get like COVID, but still they do it like once or twice a week. Maybe it's one of those I, live-in places.
1: Maybe like long-term hotel rooms. Yeah, maybe like
0: the window was open or something. And so that allowed yeah. the raccoon to come in.
1: Well, the raccoons here's the other mean. one though.
0: Yeah, Records tell me that also one. also
1: have thumbs. Okay, so this other crime scene yeah, investigator deal. writes me, and she says that they were searching through dumpsters for the suspect's firearms, and while they were digging in mm. the trash, they were on an active shooter scene. So Ooh. that being the case, the CSI was decked out in, like, a ballistic helmet, and they found a ferret in the trash, and oh. they literally were teasing the CSI that, that they had found a pet to bring home with them as they were uncovering looking for this gun. Can you imagine just pulling a ferret out of the garbage?
0: My friends all had ferrets growing up because I didn't grow up in Mm -hmm. California and they were legal in Colorado. But if you don't know a ferret and you just reach in, that little shit's going to bite you. It is. They're really sweet, but, you know, yeah, they are feral animals. They're weasels and they will bite you.
1: So then the other one was somebody wrote that this is not an animal, A zucchini was brought to a crime scene and left there by a burglar. They like brought their lunch with them into the house they (laughs) were burglarizing. That's ridiculous. That's not even like a dine-and-dash. What is that? It's literally... Who knows what they were going to do with it? Who knows? Zucchini reminds me
0: of Greek food.
1: Not based on one of my zucchini stories I have coming up. Oh, I'm
0: excited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Another one that somebody submitted was a rotary phone from 1976. They lifted a print off of it and they got an APHIS hit. But this rotary phone was in like 2004, well past the age of that.
0: That is so funny. I know. In our office, we have a red phone and literally I was just talking to one of the receptionist ladies about it. It's a red phone and it's not rotary. It has push buttons and this red push button phone. I'm like, what the hell? Is this like our launching bomb phone? What, what is this? And she was like, mm, no, in case yeah. our phones go down, we have this red phone. And I was like, does it even work? I've been there 17 years. She's been there for like a yeah, year and a half. It seems like a doomsday phone. Yeah, she's been there for a year and a half. And she goes, oh, it's rang once since I've been here. I'm like, what? It rang? Who knows the number? Did anybody pick up? I don't know. I was so like, I don't even yeah. know what the hell she just said right now. And I walked away because I was like, huh, scratching my head. I immediately need to know who called the phone. Uh, who yeah, like
1: just gives that kind of information and then steps away from it?
0: Who has you know, the like, phone number?
1: You should pick up the phone and then call somebody. And so then you'll have the number for the phone. And then you can prank your so whole So I could office. call myself.
0: Anyway, so enough about like the bat phone. How about these uh planes, trains, and automobiles? And how are they related to this episode? I don't know. Well, well tell me. Okay. So how and what do you collect from large like wreckage sites from like attacks or blasts or big huge collisions, that type of stuff? A Items lot. and objects. Yeah, how do you collect a plane or a train or a huge automobile or whatever? Because the local garages aren't big enough to house these ginormous things.
1: It depends on your agency, but yeah.
0: Dude, you're telling me that you have a hang glider garage?
1: At my first agency, we had a really large vehicle
0: garage. We had a separate
1: crime scene processing garage. But if we had needed the other one, we probably would have had use of it.
0: Oh, that's cool. But that's not normal. Well, yeah, totally not normal. So fun fact, that is an attack or a blast like a bombing okay. for instance first right. you have to render the site safe and then if a local agency doesn't have its own specialized unit then they'll contact a nearby bomb squad yep which is pretty awesome because i think i know that you have a cool bomb story Well, it's not as cool as
1: it should be, but essentially we do have like the local sheriff's office has a really good bomb squad. So we call them whenever we have a reporting of a self-made explosive device. And there is a Catholic church very close to our police department at the time. And the head pastor's office was like adjacent to the main doors of the main worship center or chapel. And there Mm -hmm. were it was actually glass windows. And I guess he was sitting in there one night and he saw this weird contraption that kind of looked like a soda bottle. And upon further observation, he noticed that there were like components to it. There was tin foil, there was powders, there was all these different elements of it. So he got freaked out and he called us. And I got there and I documented the scene and I'm like, I hope nobody thinks I'm getting near that or touching it or disabling it. Like, yeah, no. I, like it looks super shady.
0: OK, hold on. So he obviously probably calls 911 because he's like, there's a suspicious package or yeah, like looking, whatever he says. Explosive device. It's OK, I don't get it. Why wouldn't they call the bomb squad? Let's not are you go too to crazy, I... Shelley.
1: Yeah, let's not go cr- too crazy about the expectations of other people that should know better, okay? Like, I mean, I think that they say <laughs> it in Men in Black that a person is an intelligent, free thinking thing, but people are dumb and sheep, right? Like, when you put them together. Yes. So yes. he calls, he reports this thing, everybody responds. He gets safely removed from the building. He's not a very okay. popular priest, he's not well liked, <laughs> and people can, with all religions, get a little nuts about their religion. Literally every religion has this, so don't think yeah. I'm hating on anybody. And we get there, I document the device, I keep my freaking distance. My camera has a zoom lens. And then at some point they called the bomb squad and they came out, they determined that it wasn't even good. It was like a really shifty one. Like basically the person couldn't even Google properly. They like had all the <laughs> right components, but they, like what was supposed to happen was in theory, the tin foil would have dropped into the liquid and powders contained inside of the soda bottle. And it would have boomed. If somebody walked up to it and say like, Hey, what's this? It would have exploded, which is why they put it right outside yeah. of his office. So okay. they end up figuring out that it was completely like defunct. However, the contents of it were still explosive materials. So they were like, oh, well, we're not collecting that. And I'm like, I'm not collecting that. Yeah, no. If you take those explosive materials out of there your lab processes them. I will collect like the soda bottle and the masking tape and I'll collect prints from that or DNA. But I'm not yeah. collecting yeah. any of those powders or any of that liquid. No. And they're like, well, it's not our case number. I'm like, this is outside of what we do. We do not collect explosive materials in the crime scene unit. That's beyond us. We don't have the proper material, handlings, containers. Yeah. And how are we even going to dispose of it? So the bomb squad ends up taking it mm-hmm. and pouring it out in the parking lot what and I was like I'm writing it in my report I'm not getting in trouble for this they poured it into the parking lot not like together. Wh- I don't know how. I just remember like watching That's them dump like it out. That's hazardous material. You don't know what that I is. Know. You can't do that. You bet your butt Ugh. I wrote it in my report. And I collected the soda bottle, the two liter soda bottle, and I collected the masking tape. And for those of you that are curious how I would process items of evidence like that, for the soda bottle, I used something called cyanoacrylate fuming. And what cyanoacrylate means is super glue. And what you do is you put your item of evidence in a hood like a scientific hood like a big clear lockbox type yeah i've actually you know we've even made ones for the field out of empty fish tanks like anything that contain a fume and then you'll take a little bit of super glue in like a little aluminum foil dish that they pre-make and you put it on a heater to the point where the super glue becomes a gas rather than a liquid Mm -hmm. and then it fills the air and then you have the container or the fuming hood or this fish tank and the elements of your fingerprints are 98 percent water and the other two percent are like amino acids and other secretions but those elements Mm -hmm. actually makes your fingerprints three-dimensional so the super glue fumes start to cling to The friction ridge detail there is deposited on our items of evidence. So if you want to think about laminating only on a might look as much tinier level. So I super glue fumed or cyanoacrylate fumed the soda bottle. And then I Uh would have applied a black fingerprint powder. There are other colors besides black.
0: I'm going to back you up for a second. So once you super glue fume Mm -hmm. the soda bottle, the print becomes white
1: it becomes so it, like, white showed, yeah. that's right you know how like when you were a little when you got glue on your hand it turned
0: white and you peeled it off hell yeah yeah it's like that well I'm still little so that means that I can still yeah. do it and so I'm justified because <laughs> exactly. I still do it but you know yeah. how, when you peeled so it off your fingers right. you could see
1: your prints in it
0: yep absolutely didn't know that they were called friction ridges back then but yes yeah. friction ridge detail and minutiae yeah
1: yeah so like only without peeling it off so you would leave the print yeah. on the item of evidence
0: and then you black powdered it
1: Black powdered it. But just for those of you who are curious about fingerprinting, there are many colors of fingerprint powder. There's even dual contrast fingerprint powder. So if you think about a reflective surface. And magnetic. And magnetic. But what you want to do is find the color that will create the highest contrast with the background of that print. So this soda bottle, I can't remember if it was clear or green. But either way, black powder was more than sufficient to create the contrast that I needed. And I'm glad you brought up magnetic powder. So for those of you who might be wondering what that is, if you want to think about fingerprint powder that actually has a bit of a magnetic charge, the way that we apply and utilize this fingerprint powder is actually with a magnetic wand. Like, have you ever had, what is that little game where you can like drag the little magnetic pieces etch and sketch. put like a mustache on them? Yeah. Or just or so like when you put the mustache on the guy oh, and you can like drag it around.
0: Yeah, man. So So we
1: have an actual little magnetic wand.
0: We need listener help on that one. I don't know what it's called.
1: I know. I I love magnetic powder. So you would take, like, there would be a normal jar full of the magnetic powder. The way that you would know that it was magnetic versus a regular graphite-based fingerprint powder is it is way heavier because it's (laughs) actually, like, fragmented little, like, magnets. So you take your magnetic wand, you dip it in there, it creates this cool, like, spiky cylinder of the, and then you very lightly apply it onto the surface that you want. The reason why I bring this up is because magnetic powder is really great for producing fingerprint powder, latent fingerprints off of like masking tape or like that silver Mm -hmm. contractor's tape, but you would not do that on the sticky side. Duct tape. Duct tape. Thank you, Shelly. Duct tape. That's the word I was looking for. I knew I was saying the wrong thing, not masking tape, duct tape. So you would take the non-sticky side And look for fingerprints with the magnetic powder on that side. On the sticky side, we have something called Wet Wop.
0: Yes, Wet Wop. I love Wet Wop. I love Wet Wop.
1: I know, Wet Wop. So Wet Wop is really (laughs) cool. You essentially have, it doesn't have the same consistency, but it's like black paint. And you paint it on the sticky side surface of the duct tape. And then you dip it in a sterile rinse. And then the fingerprint the wet wap will stick to the fingerprint elements that i was discussing earlier but all the rest of the wet wop will wipe away so you i had all of those collection methods to get prints off of the non-explosive elements of this makeshift bomb
0: wow yeah that's amazing someone didn't like that priest and decided that's what they were going to do
1: Yeah, but they didn't even do a good job. And that's like a pretty serious crime to like bomb, put a bomb at a religious center. I think that ups the ante a little bit, Shelly, right? To a place of religion.
0: Yeah. When you do it to a place of religion, then they consider it a hate crime and they can do an additive on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, legal legal. people. Come on. You can't do it to anybody.
0: Can't do it to anyone. But when you do it to certain people, then, you know, yeah, it's definitely not Yeah,
1: It's like hospitals, religious centers.
0: Schools, that type of stuff.
1: Old, like nursing homes, assisted living facilities.
0: You we were talking about how it was a man made device.
1: explosive device. Exactly.
0: So IEDs are improvised explosive devices. And these are usually analyzed by like FBIs or terrorist explosive. Actually, it's TDAC. So it's the Terrorist Explosive Device Analytical Center, is who mm-hmm. takes all these things. And they're located in Quantico, Virginia. And did you know that? IEDs collected from around the world are sent to TDAC for forensic examination. So every other country all around the world, they all go to Quantico, Virginia.
1: I actually did not know that. Because they poured our IED out on the street. So they did not send it to Quantico. They poured it out on the
0: street. 99.9% of all IEDs (laughs) go to Quantico, Virginia. The 0.1% gets poured out in the parking lot.
1: Gets poured out in the parking lot of the church. Okay, so we're talking about, like, random freaking places to find evidence, random crazy pieces of evidence. I know that you and I have both discussed that we've had to collect entire walls, entire doors, entire mattresses.
0: Being five feet tall, collecting California king size mattress. Yeah, we're just going to take the whole thing and you're like, how? Me?
1: I imagine that it looks like those little ants with the breadcrumbs that are, like, five times bigger than their bodies.
0: Well, obviously, if there was more than one, but it's like, yo, bro, can you lend a hand over here? My wingspan is not... I couldn't... Yeah, you couldn't quite grab it. I don't want blood and the semen and the other juices. Any of it. I know. Yeah, you don't want to touch
1: that. Yeah, I've gone and bought like one of those full zip mattress protectors to collect it before. Did that. And then, guys, just to be transparent, most of the time that I've had to collect, I would say, I think it's every time I've had to collect an entire mattress, unfortunately, we're talking about cases of sexual assault because there is one other time where I was asked to collect a mattress and can you believe it, Shelley? I said, absolutely not. Do you wanna know why? Yeah, I'm like dying, I'm like, why'd you say no? So this guy lived in a drug house with all of his other drug dealer friends and systematically, one by one, they all got arrested and he was the last one standing that wasn't in prison or jail. And he ended up overdosing and dying in his bed, but nobody was coming home because they were all incarcerated. So at some point, he started to decompose because, of course, they weren't paying their bills. Because sometimes when people are in the throes of drug sales or addiction, yes. they don't think to take care of any elements of their life. So no yeah. AC. No electricity. In Florida. It's Florida. So he starts to decompose. And what happens is all of the neighbors start to smell it. And they start calling the city like there is an odor coming from this house. So we've responded. I want you to think about what a sponge does. And I want you to think about the fact... It absorbs. It absorbs. And I want you to think about the fact that a mattress is essentially a sponge. Listen, this bed, I think, had a sheet on it. Like a sheet, not like layers of bedding. But even if it had, it would have soaked through. So this dude dies. (laughs) And it is one of my more memorable decomps because... He was largely skeletonized at this point, but the mattress had absorbed all of that decomposition fluid, Shelly. The smell. The smell this time. The sight of it looked like something that Eli Roth or like one of those crazy like directors, like Rob Zombie's crazy movies. Like it looked like TV because of just wow. like the the colors in the mattress and the Was it like
0: that yellow and that like grayish
1: and it was like thick yeah. like the mattress like oozing the decomp fluid because it had all gone into the mattress. He wasn't a large man.
0: But I'm sure that the mattress wasn't like the extra thick pillow top whatever. It, it was, was so right. standard.
1: Eventually, the medical examiner comes, and the victim is relatively easy to collect or transport because he's largely skeletonized. Like, he still had enough soft tissue or connective tissue on him to, like, when we removed him from the room, he didn't fall apart. There was still, like, content. Let's just call it content because I don't want to say anything inconsiderate. But then somebody's like, yeah, you're going to collect that. Uh, Excuse me? Excuse me? I'm going to collect this mattress must wait. I mean, I literally was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I.
0: Yeah. What would the point be? What
1: are we trying to prove with the collection of this mattress? That pictures like I have literally never said no to collecting yeah. evidence. I just said I can't. Where is it going to go? Property and evidence unit can't take this. It's a huge biohazard. Yeah. you get a flatbed truck yeah. to haul it away. And just for the stream of thought that some of you guys might be thinking about, like, evidence, yes, we do collect saturated evidence. However, there is usually a reason that we're collecting it. So, for example, if somebody's clothing has bullet defects or identifying information and they are a decomp and let's just say, like, the items of clothing might help us when we're describing these things to a family member or friend as we try to figure out who they are. If we see any evidence of any victim's clothing, we're always going to take a lot of times their clothing is in the same condition as the mattress. However, we have a special cabinet where we dry these items, properly package them with butcher paper, separating the layers to prevent cross contamination. And cross-transfer of stains. I cannot do that with an entire mattress. And this man literally overdosed. There was evidence of the Ooh. overdose. Yeah. There was no evidence of a struggle. This house was secure when we got there. It was locked. I was like, I absolutely wow. not collecting this mattress. Like, and if it would have been a homicide, yeah. we gotta figure this out, okay? And you're supposed yeah. to treat every case like a homicide, however. The CSI that makes forty grand a year has boundaries, and that was a boundary. Like, I'll do anything for a victim, but this was just, like, not going to happen.
0: So you were talking about how it was like a drug house and, you know, how the mm-hmm. criminal was living there with all of his criminal buddies and stuff. Yeah. That brings up, like, a story that I thought about. So that's not cool when you have fourth waiver searches, because fourth waiver, you give up your right to unreasonable search and seizure. So they they just come in whenever they want and take a look at... Fourth you know, waiver? Are you mean
1: Fourth Amendment?
0: It's am well, they fourth it? waiver searches. It's the oh, Fourth am. Amendment.
1: I've never heard yeah. it said that way. Actually, I've heard yeah, of, they reference the Fourth Amendment, but I've never heard it said fourth waiver. So that's interesting.
0: Oh yeah, we call them for short. We call them fourth waivers. Okay. And so we had one one time, and so you know, odd, crazy places that people are hiding evidence, right? So. Mm there's a fourth wave research guy is nothing here go ahead search everywhere search whatever and he's got his family his mom his wife his kids whatever and one of the kids is sitting on the couch and you know our guys come in and they're going to do the fourth wave research and they're looking for drugs they're looking for you know stuff cuz yeah. he's on parole and so they look they search and they're just like this is a good sting operation they know that there's something in there but they just don't know where Have and the intuition well, intuition and a little bit of secret squirrel type stuff. Yeah. So some of the things we can't quite talk about because we can't give away all of our secrets. So a little kid is sitting on the couch holding a teddy bear. It's their teddy bear, right? It's like nine o'clock at night. And and I'm sure that now the audience knows exactly where this is going. Uh-huh. Well, they can't find any drugs. So then they bring the dog in and the dog immediately goes to the teddy bear. I knew you were going to say that. So they first they are like the kid, like what's happening. So then they have the child stand up. Child's still holding the teddy bear. Child stands up and the dog is like sniffing and then sits as soon as it comes to the round to the teddy bear, sniffs the teddy bear and sits, and they said, I'm sorry, uh. we're gonna have to take the teddy bear. So that sucks, right? Cause now you got this yeah. kid crying because we just took your teddy bear and we're gonna take your teddy bear and we're gonna go destroy it because there's drugs inside of it. So that's exactly what happened was there was drugs inside and uh the dog came in and they ripped the bear to shreds because they found yeah drugs. so happy moment is then one of our guys actually had a little teddy bear in his car, and he gave it to oh, the kid, and actually, yeah, a kid appreciated it.
1: We did have at my second PD in the victims' rights room, there was a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuffed animals, not just bears. And everybody that worked there was encouraged to keep a few in our vehicles in case there was a yeah. child that needed for um, any reason com- if there was for any reason, yeah, so it exactly, was actually really exactly. nice. i the softer side of law enforcement one of my pds has now acquired a therapy dog that they bring with them to to the hospitals and stuff i think that it can literally respond anywhere it's needed so if there are victims at the hospital or victims families at the hospital or the home or wherever at the pd if a child has to be interviewed the dog can be there that's really nice Uh
0: uh-huh That's really cool. I've had some pretty crazy things. You know, I mean, obviously in the jails, there is so much stuff. That's just there's a ton of stuff that gets hidden in the jails. It's, you know, definition time, the jail or the prison purse.
1: You've said this to me before. You are so bad. I didn't know this until you taught me. I'm going to let you tell our audience that you are bad. No.
0: Oh my God. Not a Louis Vuitton, guys. The prison purse is not a Louis Vuitton. It's the furthest thing from a Louis Vuitton. And if you think yours is a Louis Vuitton, you crazy. So, a jailer prison purse is either male or female, and it's the genital orifice of either a male or a female. So, we're talking, you know, rectum or a vagina to use to conceal contraband. And it's prohibited. Items from custody, so a lot of times it's drugs, but sometimes it can be oh keys to handcuffs. Yeah, pretty crazy.
1: I do have a butthole story, but it's not a prison a butthole, a butthole story. story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when I was in okay. CSI, I was on one of my very first death investigation calls, and okay. I was still nervous at the time, still insecure about you know my. Way of going about scenes. I wanted a lot of validation from my coworkers, which I had for like three months. I just wanted to know that I was doing justice in my role and that I wasn't missing mm-hmm. anything. So I had taken all of my pictures, I had done everything on my side. The death investigator came. At some point, one of the detectives said to me, Well, have you looked for the carrot yet? And I said, What? And they're like, well, did you look for the carrot? I said, what carrot? And then they all start laughing at me. And my lieutenant is on scene and he's like, yeah, you always got to look for the carrot. What carrot? I'm about to tell you. Apparently, long before my time, when my lieutenant was a detective, he showed up to a death investigation. I don't know at what point in time the crime scene unit was developed because crime scene is a lot newer of a field than people think. And so they sent the body down to the medical examiner office and they call him and they said, Hey, um, did you guys examine this body? And he's like, yeah. And they said, well, did you examine the body without their clothes on? Cause just so everybody knows not to be disrespectful to the victim, but it's very, Appropriate to do a thorough investigation to take photographs of the victim on scene, largely naked. Okay, largely naked. Mm -hmm. It's just to make sure there's nothing that we're missing that could alter the search of the rest of the scene. Mm -hmm. So he says, Did you do a thorough search of the victim's body? Did you do it naked? And he's like, Yeah. Okay, great. Because there's a carrot in this victim's asshole. So it ends up being a homicide. Where there was a dispute and the lover shoved a carrot in this person's butthole before they killed them. And so that's super embarrassing for the lieutenant at the time because he literally had blown off this scene, which is why you never do that. That's why it's every case, every time, ethically and professionally. So super embarrassing. Sent this poor homicide victim down to the ME without a proper investigation and ever since then, they always would say, did you check for the carrot? Because you've got to flip the victim over and photograph their yeah. posterior or backside as well. So my carrot story wasn't that I put a carrot in an asshole or removed a carrot from an asshole. But for the rest of my tenure at that PD, I did check for a carrot in the asshole.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow.
1: That's So we've gone okay. from animal to vegetable now.
0: It works, totally works. That's fine. I have so many, I have so many more stories, but there's been some crazy stuff that we've seen and heard about mm-hmm. in the jails. You know, imagine when you swallow something. You know, speaking about carrot, right? Like corn. Yeah. When you swallow something and you eat it, corn. Well, everything shall pass. And ah. usually, what people do is they will swallow drugs, right? And that way, when they go to jail, they will pass them, them out. And poop hopefully em. then they will be able to use them while they're in jail. So hopefully the audience is they're getting it because you're sitting here behind me saying I like, poop them. They're going to poop em. <laughs> them. So, yes. Yeah. They're going to swallow the drugs and then they're going to take the drugs and it's going to go through their system. And because your body can't digest some of that stuff, it just passes it and it passes it usually whole.
1: Yeah. They like eat it in a balloon. Right. They put it in, like a little balloon or a little condom or something stupid.
0: Balloons, condoms, baggies. Yeah. Stuff your
1: body doesn't want to digest.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. And so when this happens, then, you know, you, you pass it. And then when you pass it. Obviously, you know you're digging through your own feces, and so you get it, and because it's super sanitary to do this, obviously clean it off, you unwrap it, and then you now you have contraband, you have drugs. Well, little do criminals know. Guess what? We have body scanners that actually detect the drugs, and they see them now. So don't do it. So there's no more bend over and cough. (laughs) Oh, we do the bend over and cough, but some people (laughs) practice that. I mean, it's just like FSTs, like field sobriety tests. They practice it. Yeah. Well, that's why you Mm got to switch it up because we don't always ask you to. Say the, the alphabet backwards because that's ridiculous. I can't even do it sober. So whatever. But bending over and coughing, sometimes, you know, that can still happen. Then you have contraband in the jails. But sometimes your body says, I'm actually going to try to process that. And when your body says, I'm going to try to process that, then guess what happens? Well, what happens is it tries to eat through that baggie or that condom or that whatever it is. And sometimes that happens. And you've just swallowed sometimes an eight ball, sometimes a yeah, huge you'll die, eight then. ball. Yeah, you'll die then. Yes, you will. You will absolutely die. The drug mules die
1: when they send them across the border. Like the balloon pops sometimes.
0: Yep, exactly. So yeah, so don't do it because you're going to die. Dying's bad. Yeah, I mean, you can't really recover from that. There's no second act. No, there's not. So sometimes they don't just swallow drugs. Sometimes they swallow jewelry and diamonds because if someone's going to arrest you, you're like, I didn't take it. I don't have it on me. No, besides the orifice of your body imagine fishing that thing out. That
1: sounds like, no, fishing out. How about pushing it out of your butt?
0: Diamonds are not smooth. Mm. They're not soft. They're pointy. No, they're not. Uh, Pointy. Yeah, they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be like passing
0: a kidney stone through your butt. That doesn't sound comfortable. Not at all. We're talking about butts too much today already. Okay. Let me get into this nastiness. Okay. How about this? So seven gauge needles, right? So Normally when you go get a shot, you're looking at a 16-gauge needle because they're small, right? So the larger the number of the gauge, the smaller Smaller. the needle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the larger the number of the gauge, the bigger the needle. So a 7-gauge needle is like a 0.15 inches is what
1: it is about.
0: The inside of it. So it's like
1: almost a millimeter, sort of.
0: Yeah, I don't do millimeters because I'm... American and I suck at that. That conversion is just way too much math and math <laughs> Okay, is it's about a um, millimeter and
1: a half is what you're saying.
0: Okay, yeah, what well, she said. Yeah, that sometimes there have been people that have injected drugs that are sealed in tiny little bags and put them into these 7 gauge needles and inject them under their skin. So that when they get into jail, you know how like the birth control in the in sh- like in the arm? I have that oh yeah. gosh that like i couldn't feel that that's weird to me but like if you take a knife and you cut that you can access whatever's under your skin that stick or wherever they injected it they can access that little baggie of drugs Guys used to
1: do this in high school they would stick needles what are those like push pins they would put them under like the first layer of their skin i remember that in high school yes. It'd be like weird yep Yes. Mm-hmm. Why?
0: That's too emo. I don't do that. Why does anybody do I anything?
1: Know. I did. You ever wear lizards for earrings? No. What? You, oh my god! I'm you guys, I'm gonna get so made fun of. I never did this, but I did participate to some extent. So in Florida, we have a lot of lizards. So if you catch them, they hold their mouth open like this, and then <laughs> if you piss them off, they'll bite. So people would. Yeah. Put it on like earrings, like real live lizards like, like earrings. Like real live lizard earrings. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the best. It's Florida. What do you want? <laughs> but actually, I do have a creative hiding drug story, but not nearly with as much intelligence as yours. And it wasn't so much that the hiding was well done, it was more the amount of drugs that was hidden on one human being. So the story starts off a little sad. Of course, I was at Cirque du Soleil with my husband, but boyfriend at the time. And I took the risk. I went to do that on a night that I was on call. But to be fair, I had been on call straight for four months because there was nobody else in my unit that could do it at the time. And I get called out and it's for a... Unattended death, they suspected to be accidental due to drug overdose, just due to foaming at the mouth. The super sad part of it was this young man lived with like his mom, his grandma, his sisters, his dad, really nice family. They had all gone mm-hmm. to church and come back and discovered him foaming at the mouth and mm-hmm. like his pants were around his ankles. And we still don't know why. I actually think the reason for that was. Because he wore baggy pants. That was just the way that he wore them. But of course, they had then a concern that he had there was evidence of a struggle due to these slouching pants. And I completely understand why a family would feel that way, even though he was literally like foaming at the mouth. I'm investigating this. I'm taking all of my pictures and I get to him. And when you take overall pictures of a victim, guys, you want to hit like a whole bunch of different angles. But Mm -hmm. the most simple way is you're going to take 90 degree photographs that are like overview of the victim or straight at them so that you can get that like general consensus of the way that they're positioned. So he was half on half off a couch knees bent, pants around his ankles. He had a large head of dreadlocks, like a lot of dreadlocks. And I was taking pictures of him and I noticed when I reviewed the pictures, because sometimes I go back and I make sure that the lighting was right or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I saw something shiny and I thought, oh, let me go back and rephotograph that because it's creating... Like it was blocking elements of him. And I just wanted to make sure that there was like you, like we've talked about in previous episodes. Yeah. So I go and take the picture and I'm zooming in on the area and I see a little corner. Oh. He had hidden a bazillion baggies of drugs in his dreadlocks, in them. What? And he had a lot of hair. So when the medical examiner gave us permission to move him and i had already documented him as was i move him drug bags fell out of the tongue of his shoes he had folded his socks down like we used to do when we were kids the folds of his yeah. socks there was wow. you know how men's underwear has the hole in the front for men to pull out their dick and pee
0: yeah it has that like, yeah. He had
1: drugs shoved in that flap. Was he a drug mule or? I don't know. That wasn't really my role because we were there to investigate his death. But all I will tell you is there were drugs in his armpits. I know that sounds weird, but there was literally like, I found drugs in
0: his armpit. Do you think that this was set up this way or you think that he actually put these there?
1: Because it was apparent that they were not fresh. Oh, if that makes sense.
0: They've been there. So yeah, you know yeah, when yeah. plastic
1: bags are in like your purse or like they start to get like yep. opaque from like rubbing. Yeah. So these were not recently placed on his person.
0: Wow. There
1: were drugs behind his watch face. What? To have viewed him as he lay when he passed away and to have not seen any of them is truly somewhat impressive to me. There was so much on him.
0: The family went to church and they came back and this is what they came back to. Well,
1: they didn't see all those drugs and it wasn't all the same kind. But imagine
0: like walking around your house with all this stuff.
1: I know. And then, of course, we found a lot more in his bedroom. But the sheer amount that was on him and just in case you guys are wondering, it was not one kind of drug. There was marijuana, which was not legal anywhere at the time. There was cocaine. There were pills, both of a pharmaceutical grade and club wow. drugs as well. Yeah. He was a walking pharmacy, but not like CVS. Not pharmacy. like Walker. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was C- so many kinds of drugs. It like I am not even thinking of all the areas we found drugs. Insane. Wow. So, like, that's not a crazy evidence story where there was, like, an item that was insane, but I just find the ability to store drugs on your body. Like, that's
0: insane. Yeah. We've collected, like, 50-gallon drums because, you know, there's bodies, there's money, there's drugs, there's, you know, all kinds of stuff in that. Mm -hmm. But Or an entire bathtub because it was a burnt body and it was, like, burnt into the bathtub. So you just take the whole entire bathtub.
1: Oh, how breaking bad of them. (laughs)
0: I wish I could say I've seen Breaking Bad, but...
1: Oh my... You have to watch Breaking Bad. The first episode's not that great. Get past it. You'll have a good time. Trust me. But one other thing does come to mind because you were talking about the prison purse. Yeah. One of my very first suicide scenes, I remember it for many, many reasons. So I'm not going to get into the huge details of this victim's death because that can be allocated to a different show. But what's interesting about this case, relevant to our crazy evidence episode, is I was, of course, taking my overall photographs of the house. So she had passed away in the bedroom. So it's really normal when you have a death investigation to be very particular about the room where the person died. Also the whole house, but... You know, you want to open every drawer. You want to take a photograph of every drawer. You want to pull out anything that looks suspicious. Check it out. See if anything is disturbed. So I was doing this with the main dresser in her room. Mm -hmm. And I pulled open the drawer and I saw this black tube. And I thought, Mm. that doesn't look like a gun case or anything. What the hell is that thing? So I'm in the room with several detectives. And I open this thing up and I am staring Face first at a vagina. It was something called a fleshlight. Do you know what this is? <laughs> I don't want to tell you. <laughs> oh, I saw it for myself. I saw it beaver first right in my face. What the It's like hell? literally a vagina in a what looks like a hydro flask, but like a canister. And I was immediately red. Immediately red. And I was like, well, to each their own in the bedroom. But it was relatively disturbing to think, oh, what's in here? And then to see a
0: not clean flashlight. Oh, the fact that it wasn't clean. No, you can't die when your stuff isn't clean. I know. That's... And honestly,
1: Ugh. I feel like we maybe have taken it too far and we should maybe give our audience a break at this point of
0: us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. If you are yeah. still listening, hello. Thanks out for there. staying with us on this journey. This was quite the journey. We derailed and this train has just completely, yeah, it's off. Left it never, the station. Never yes. From
1: flashlights to carrots, to ferrets, oh. to prison purses. To wet wop. <laughs> to wet <wet-wop>. That's <laughs> to right. To wet I know. At least we got a little education in there today, Shelly.
0: There you go. Yeah, we're a little educational. Oh. So.
1: All right. So just to recap, find us on social media at Crime Scene Queens. Yeah. Email us. Hello at crime scenequeens.com. Please rate and review our show only if you liked it, though. Yeah. (laughs) Only if you liked it. And if you're going to commit a crime, do your local CSI unit a favor and leave lots of evidence.
0: Lots of good, juicy evidence. Lots of good, juicy
1: evidence. Bye, guys. We love you so much. Bye. Love
0: you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Till next week.
1: Crime
0: Scene Queens
1: is a Q Code Media production. Executive producers David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Counts House and edited by Will Tendy.